tuning into the body's whisper. What's the subtle thing? What's the subtle voice of the body? What's the subtle messages that are being sent to us consistently? And why don't we prioritize those within ourselves? Yo. Hello, hello. What's up, coworkers? What up, coworkers? Welcome back to your favorite podcast. We outside after work. I'm your host, Dana. I'm your favorite of the favorite podcast. I'm Aaron. Don't worry, guys. Today we have a special guest joining us today. Her name is Loren. And she is going to give us some information about body work and embodiment. And what are the benefits of all of that and how it can create a more satisfying life for you. So thank you, Loren, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you guys all about embodiment and just be here. Thank you. And coworkers, if you're new here, we do start the episode with an icebreaker. So this is just two questions to get the conversation started. So Aaron, if you want to read the first question. Of course. You know, it's a holiday season. So for everybody out there, I'm curious. Do you let your kids believe in Santa Claus? If you have children, of course, stay inside. Um, why or why not? Let's start with you, Lauren. Um, it's really interesting because I'm not really one that like celebrates holidays, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I, I kind of grew up celebrating them, but over time I kind of just like parted ways with it, just a, a personal choice. But my son, he's still, you know, he's a kid. He gives into TV. He gives into, you know, he has grandparents. So he actually just mentioned about Santa the other day and I had to like fight myself not to correct him just because um, I, I kind of want to give him the chance to be a kid. But I don't know. Part of me does still remind him that parents buy gifts and, you know, we work hard for that. But then, you know, he might get one little gift that's like, okay, that, that came from Santa. His grandparents <laughs> might set it up that way. But for me, I don't have a strong preference about it. But mm-hmm. what about okay. you guys? Um, well, like Aaron said, I do not have children. But if I did, I wouldn't be opposed to it in the beginning. So I think if you're under maybe like seven years old, I don't mind what. <laughs> What's wrong with seven? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so under seven, I feel like okay, you're still very um, vulnerable to the world. So, mm-hmm. like, you believe in Santa Claus and the fantasy of that, and the elf on the shelves. I think that's cute that parents do. They put the air, the elves all around the house just to give kids that excitement of that holiday of Christmas. But then I feel like there is an age where your kids need to know the truth, like Loren said, of what actually happens and your parents providing or whoever's buying the gifts. So, you know, they're more prepared for reality. What about you, Aaron, since you have two children? Man, all that reality stuff, let these kids have an imagination. Because the first thing is, it's not going to be the parents who's going to ruin it for them. It's going to be other little badass kids out here. <laughs> you know, it's not real. You know, wrestling isn't real. You know, that movie isn't real. It's mm-hmm. like, why do I got to do that? Like, let these kids have an imagination. Let the tooth fairy pay for $5 a tooth or $50 a tooth for some kids. Let the Easter bunny be a thing. Let these kids just have an imagination. It's fun. 
Give them something to look forward to. I get it. A lot of parents out here, I work. You should know that it's coming from me. You should know I'm busting my ass, and I understand that. But that's not what a kid should even be thinking about. And we're in a society where these kids ain't being kids long enough anyway. I will do everything in my power to make sure that my kids believe in being a kid. So if that's a little bit of Santa Claus, if that's a little bit of um, watch Dragon Ball Z to your 19th, so be it. Dragon Ball Z was lit, though, even oh, in high school. Right. But they still watching it because, you know, it's for kids, you know, so. It's anime. I don't think anime is really for kids for that's, real. But that's yeah. because they they doing all that stuff on the internet where they make it cool. But if I told you that I was watching Peppa Pig at 15, it's a problem. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, obviously we are at the end of 2023 and we are going into 2024. So this is the last week of the year. Now we do want to get into things that we are leaving in this year. So it can be people. It can be things about yourself that you don't like. It can be um, a job. So, Loren, we'll start with you first. What are you leaving in 2023? Ooh, cha. So much. <laughs> <laughs> I can say it loud because I think that 2023 was like the end of a cycle of like breaking through for me. Like 2020 mm -hmm. till 2022 was like a trying time. I mean, I both like launched my business in 2020, but also had like a lot of family stuff going on, my own personal just becoming and growing into myself, uh, motherhood changing in various ways and just, you know, like learning life. And I feel mm -hmm. like 2023 ended on a note of like, I finally see, like, I finally understand. I see the message. I see the lessons in all this. And I ain't doing this shit next year, <laughs> you know, like I, ain't, I don't want the hard lessons. God, please teach me easy, you know, like send me ease in the next year. So that means that certain people that just aggravate my spirit, I just can't entertain that anymore. You know, certain places that just dull my vibe or just don't, they don't contribute to my ascension. They have to go, you know, um, and I think there's a lot of things I'm going to add as well. So Okay. Yeah, we'll get into the adding part at the end of the episode, but I do love all of that that you mentioned. I can actually relate with all of the family things that has happened this year. This year, um, my mom and my grandma had two major surgeries and each mm -hmm. one had an eight hour surgery. So it was very intense for the family. And for me, emotionally, it was a place that I've never been up until now. So the fact that both of them have come through successfully with their surgeries and their recovery, that's really all that I wanted out of 2023. Like even though I was dealing with my own personal things, it was just making sure that they were okay. So hopefully we're leaving behind sickness and bad health and going into a year full of happiness and healing so aaron what about you um i'm leaving 2023 in 2023 you know like we're moving forward mm -hmm. we can't keep looking back at the past and trying to like fix things like don't get me wrong we'll learn from things we'll grow from things um but i can't continue to resonate on what did or didn't happen like it's time mm -hmm. to bounce it's time to bounce forward it's time to just keep it going um and i'm leaving doubt behind 
like I'm done doubting things and doubting myself and my decisions. Like it's all about positivity. It's all about like good vibrations and good motivations. So, you know me, I'm always on the up and up. I'm always thinking what's the next lick because I'm getting to it and I'm, I'm yeah. not doubting myself no more. And the last thing I'm leaving in 2023 is fear. Like, I'm not afraid of anything no more. It is what it is. We just got to leap. We just got to go. Whatever happens, happens. Um, yeah. It was crazy, right? I've been, I've been um, having Nashima, like, braid my hair and comb my hair and stuff. And I discovered that, like, sometimes in the back of your head, it gets a little painful. Would naps be all crazy, right? <laughs> but for whatever reason, I just was like, you know what? It doesn't hurt. Just tell myself it doesn't hurt. Pain doesn't exist. It's a feeling. Mm-hmm. Right, it's something that I, I don't have to allow to hurt me. So as she would comb it, it wouldn't hurt. So I'm like, yo, I just tapped into a feeling in my body that if I just convince myself that this does not hurt me, it won't hurt me. So I'm taking that into 2024. Um, no more pain, no more drama. Mary J. Blige style. I was me? just gonna say, is that a quote from Mary J. Blige? <laughs> Definitely love that. Right. Happy hour moment. Now let me stop. Well, that's the end. That's the end. But we are going to get into Loren and what you do and basically what body work is. So let's start there. What exactly is body work and embodiment and what does that mean for you? So body work and embodiment are two different things that coincide in some ways, right? So body work itself is just the essence of working the body. So that can be through massage therapy, which is what I'm licensed in in New Jersey. Um, that can be through acupuncture. That can be through um, Reiki in some ways. Like any way that you are working to manipulate or help aid the body towards healing physically or with tools is considered body work. Embodiment, on the other hand, That is a phrase that turns into a practice, right? So embodiment is all about you feeling whole within yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Embodiment is about knowing who you are, but not just mentally digesting that knowing throughout your entire being and aligning yourself through your values, your actions, your daily practices with that knowing of who you say you are. And so the practice of embodiment is about how do we shape ourselves, you know, with whether it be certain practices that we're doing, certain mindsets that we're living within, um, just certain daily habits that we exercise? How do we come to a sense of knowing and believing and walking in the wholeness of who we are? Okay. Aaron? Is that like affirmations? Like you tell yourself and then you allow that to like, transcend into your yourself and your outward self is that what that because that's what it sounds like to me it could be so affirmations can be a part of embodiment but affirmations is a very like mental thing right Mm -hmm. it's something that you're doing to rewire your brain and to get your mindset on something embodiment really looks at the physical body Right. We focus a lot in the Western culture on the mind, the brain and how Mm -hmm. that part of the nervous system functions. But really, there's way more neuron reception or like communication coming from your body, like your limbs, your legs, the rest of you that's being communicated about yourself to the brain than there is from the brain to the body. And so Mm -hmm. within embodiment work, somatic work, which we'll touch into in a second, you know, we're 
prioritizing the body's experience and the things that the body has collectively remembered through times, the thing that the, the things that the body has been through or the things that the body is experiencing in the present moment to inform us on what we're what we feel and where we're going next and how we can shape ourselves towards a better future. Okay. I love all of that. I can actually relate to what you just mentioned about just your body and how different experiences do like you feel it sometimes. So for me, I was in physical therapy for I want to say 2 months the beginning of last year. And I kept getting a really, really sharp pulling pain in my neck. And I thought, oh, it's because of my bra or like just something physical or things that I wear. Mm -hmm. And my doctor ended up telling me that a lot of women, we hold stress in our shoulders. Mm -hmm. So she was asking me about like my lifestyle and different things I have going on. And that was during a time where I was heavily looking for a job. And she was like, it sounds like you're holding your stress in your neck. And that's why it's so tense. Mm -hmm. So for me, I did physical therapy for about two months. It didn't really help. But once I was able to find different ways to meditate and different stretches, I realized that was something that helped relieve that pain. So, yeah, yes. I can speak to that. Yeah, because the body, it stores memory. It stores our experiences. It's constantly translating like what the heck is going on within us yeah. around us and what we need to pay attention to like i bet you that that tension in your shoulder has was building up for years and years and years you know you and it wasn't until your neck started to scream that you realize oh i need to go to physical therapy i need to treat this but yeah, we can do it yeah and i think that a lot of the embodiment work is about tuning into the body's whisper what's mm -hmm. the subtle thing what's the subtle voice of the body what's the subtle messages that are being sent to us consistently and why don't we prioritize those within ourselves you know why are we pushing through certain discomforts just because we got to get to work and we got to put food on the table and we got to do 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 and then when we shut down, we're like, I don't know what happened. I just crashed mm -hmm. out. <laughs> you know? Now you can ask for it somewhere. Exactly. It sounds a lot like being an athlete. You know, all my coaches would teach, teach us about muscle memory. Mm -hmm. And when we're practicing, doing a certain thing, especially from a track and field where it's a very technical, like, sport, we're always saying, do the same thing over and over and over again so your body remembers. It sounds like we can also apply that muscle memory to just real life, where it's not just about applicable um, tendencies in sports, but it's also about ways of life. Is that what you are able to teach? Yes, absolutely. Like, I love that you brought up muscle memory, honestly, because that is the gist of what I do, right? It's pattern work, embodiment work, wanting to go from one place in your life to the next wanting to break a habit and build a different one, all that requires is obviously effort, but it's the repetitions of those efforts, right? In somatics, we say that we are always practicing something. So like literally, whether it's something negative or positive, whether it's just waking up, brushing your teeth, getting dressed, going to work, those are habits, those are practices. Right. And so when we realize that the repetition is what strengthens the nervous system to be able to 
consolidate that within you to make it a part of your autopilot, you know, reaction, which is your norm and how you just operate without much, you know, effort and thought. It's it is muscle memory, you know, so it's really yeah. awesome that you brought that up. Now, you mentioned somatic. Can you break down what that means in your practice and just give our audience some knowledge on the definition? Yes. So I always laugh when someone asks me to break down this word because I think every somatic practitioner kind of just winces at it just because it's such a variety, like it has such a variety of definitions. And it's also very hard to dial it down into one. But I like to go, you know, break it down phonetically. So soma, which is the beginning of somatic, literally means of the body, right? So like I said earlier, somatics is all about prioritizing the experience of the physical body, the sensations that we feel, the memories that we hold within, the conditions in which we're living in, you know, to be able to exemplify what our bodies are experiencing and to Mm -hmm. work within that space in order to bring about healing, right? Somatics is of the body, right? Prioritizing that experience in order to bring change. And I think it differs a lot from, I would say like other mental health practices, because though it, it includes like with my clients, we do work on like some memory things. We do work on feelings and emotions, but we don't stay within the the talking about it too much. We might mm-hmm. talk about it, but we pause often to say, okay, how does that make you feel physically? Stop and drop into your body and notice that as you're talking about this negative experience that you went through, you know, maybe it was abuse, maybe it was a childhood memory. Now your shoulders are up to your ears. <laughs> now your head is tilting down. You know, now you're balling your hands into a fist. Now your breath is starting to pick up in speed, right? All those little nuances that our bodies use to start to process, you know, an experience is where we like to focus in somatics in order to bring about a change. For me, it does sound like a form of Mm self-awareness. So being aware of how you're feeling in different situations um, that's one thing that I started to pay more attention to since my doctor told me about the tension in my neck. Mm. I just realized to not, and it's hard to not really consume stress. Like that's been an issue for me in the past where I don't really show that I'm stressed out. I'm always like, all right, I need to get this done, get this done and this done. And once it's checked off, now I feel like I can breathe, but mm. it shouldn't be to the point where goals are completed that I'm not able to just like relax. Reasons why I started doing the meditation and listening to frequency sounds in the morning to just help set the tone for my day. Um, I did come across a video on your Instagram, which was, it was you having some sage and you were just holding it above someone and doing, I guess, the embodiment practice mm-hmm. so can you just give us some information of like what the sage does in that moment and why it's important sure i mean sage is just a cleansing tool right, right. so in spirituality practices and everyday life some of it is a cultural practice for some people sage represents purification 
right? So when you're burning sage, it's about clearing away everything, good and bad. It's a clean mm -hmm. slate. So sometimes in my practice, I might utilize sage when thing, a lot of things are coming up for a client. And it's just to symbolize the, the energy of clearing, right? But right. I wouldn't say that sage has a, holds a lot of weight within my practices, like a lot of spiritual tools, crystals, sage, palo santo, those, those things are just extras. But, you know, the deepest work is really just happening within you. Mm -hmm. Sage is just something that I utilize just just as a, a spiritual like um, cleanliness, I would say, to clear the space, to make sure I'm not picking up on this client's energy and kind of like taking it home with me. Yeah, so it doesn't transfer to travels. you. Right. Yes, yes it travels, it clings to you. You'll be around someone and come in super positive and they'll be super down and negative. And next thing you're leaving like, damn, I'm mm -hmm. tired. Like you don't even realize. They call those it. like uh, energy vampires, where they mm -hmm. suck your energy and your positivity because they're just so negative and their outlook is just very, like, terrible. We don't need that. Yeah, um, it's crazy because you talked about uh, somatics, and it kind of reminded me of tantra a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, we don't need to take the conversation that way, but it. it <laughs> It definitely just gives off like the better that you can just feel from your body, the better you can feel sensation and satisfaction, passion, um, yes. joy, bliss, happiness. So is that a motivation for you to ensure that not obviously from a tantric perspective, but that your client feels a sense of bliss, a sense of relief after dealing with you? So that way they can start establishing their own muscle memory and do this on their own? Or is it just like, just keep coming back to me. I got you. I'll take care of you. No. So well, firstly, I love that you paired it with, ta with Tantra because Tantra is a somatic practice, mm -hmm. right? It is a bodily based experience of healing. Um, but within my practice, absolutely not. Like it is almost like law as a somatic practitioner. Like you need to immediately give your client tools. Right. This practice cannot and should not be something that you're relying on your practitioner to, you know, help you process through things. Right. In in a session with me inside of like somatic experiencing, once you leave my table, yes, things are going to come up um, that I will help you like try to digest and metabolize before you go home. But the, the nervous system is still going to be rewiring. Right. The body is still going to be metabolizing. And so you might go home and randomly burst out in tears. You might go home and sleep for eight hours. You know, you might go home and feel very hypersensitive to your environment. It's because the nervous system and the body move very slow in healing. And this is why it's so important that when you leave, you're not leaving with these sensations that you don't know how to manage. But instead, you're leaving with tools that you can utilize to help you ground yourself, to help you, you know, slowly and like gently tap into, you know, these emotions that we explore together on your own and continue to chisel away until you get to the center of like the main thing that's, that's taking place there. Um, mm -hmm. To just do self care as well, to make sure that you're feeling whole, right? We have a lot of embodiment practices that focus on like dignity and strength and feeling like a whole person that you can like stand up straight and, you know, like 
face people with confidence and with wholeness. So I love that question. So let's just give our listeners an example of what happens when they come to see you. So first and foremost, what's the process to book a session? Do they just go on your website or they DM you? How does that look first? And are you selective with who you choose? So, yes. So clients should go to my website, right? And on my website, you'll see a plethora of explanations about embodiment, about what I do, even some testimonials, just because this work is relatively new to society, to modern society. So being able to get some testimonials and understand what other people have experienced, have healed through, how they like the sessions will all be there on the website. And then there's like links that'll take you to the actual booking page. But what's important to me in my booking process is the intake forms, right? So a lot of times people will have services and they'll just have you just book right away and you come in and then you just hit the ground running. But for me, I have to, you know, as someone that's going to potentially deal with trauma, that's going to potentially deal with heavy emotions, you know, that's going to deal with someone's physical body, knowing mm -hmm. someone's history, their health history, and also knowing what it is that their intentions are and what they want to work through, right? I have a scale, you know, I am not a licensed mental health practitioner, Right. So I cannot dive into certain areas of traumatic release. I cannot dive into certain areas of like psychiatric conditions. So it's so important for me to know immediately who I can work with and who I cannot. So I will say that I am selective. Um, but when it comes to the session itself, it's mm -hmm. it really is a journey that is so unique to each and every client that comes in. But the basis of a somatic bodywork session is that you will come in just like you're going to go for a massage. You have the option of either keeping your clothes on and laying down on the table or you can de-robe if that makes you feel more comfortable. Get underneath the blankets and the sheets. I have a heated table, which is always really nice. <laughs> and then people are able to just lay down. The beginning of the session, we're going right into the somatic work the somatic experiencing work and that is all about exploring the nervous system so most of the mm -hmm. time it's hands off for like an hour of the session of the 90 minute session and we okay. are literally tracking the sensations in your body we're noticing what you're feeling in this moment and we're also bringing up the the intention that you had if your intention was to explore a certain wound that you've been feeling, if your intention was to explore a certain area of your body that you've been noticing has been tightening up every time you think about something or every time you get around a certain person, right? We're gently titrating through this experience of what you're feeling and allowing the nervous system to reveal to us and to guide us on what's coming up and where we need to go next within that process. After that, the last 30 minutes is usually hands-on. So if mm -hmm. I notice that throughout the session, a certain body part just keeps, you know, standing out, say you keep saying, I'm feeling a whole lot of tension in my shoulders. I feel the need to really clench my arms and fists. I'm feeling mm -hmm. extreme density or pain in my lower back, right? That last 30 minutes of the session will focus more on the body work aspect, the physical massage therapy. Um, and also sometimes it's like, more like meridian work or things of that nature where we're working that area to bring about physical release. 
that was a mouthful. Um, no, it was a lot. It was very detailed. Thank you for that. And it makes me want to book a session right now. Come but through. Come through. Listen, I see girl, you rubbing I your mean, shoulder, Erin. I mean, I got you. <laughs> Come tomorrow. Right now, I'm about to go ahead and book my session. Intake. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you, though, because you did mention the physical... Uh, not physical, the massage therapy piece at the end. So mm -hmm. how do you get into, how did you start getting into this type of practice? So my journey has been a very interesting and long one. Um, I actually come from a family of like holistically centered people. Like my grandmother, she's always been into herbs. She's always been into oils and just holistic forms of healing. And my mm -hmm. mom has always been into body work. So she had a best friend when I was a child and he was a massage therapist. He used to come to our house and give her massages. And I used to just sit there and watch. And mm -hmm. one day she massaged my head because I was always having headaches, right? She massaged my head and the headache literally disappeared. And I was just in amazement. So next mm -hmm. thing you know, I'm in middle school, massaging people's heads, <laughs> massaging people's hands, you know, like... Yeah just bringing about that same relief that I felt in that moment. And it just led into me wanting to step more into it as a career, right? I was in college actually, um, and I was studying African-American history. And I was so passionate about just like the politics of, you know, at black life in America and wanting to make change for our people. And then it hit me like, I think the change that I want to make is more holistic. I think the change that I want to make starts from health. So it's a long journey, but I would say that body work started from history, started from just my personal traumatic experiences, and then it led me to trauma work. I just started to put the pieces together throughout my journey, and I was like, boom, this is it. Somatic yeah. sums it all up, essentially. Okay. That was your calling. Love that. I, 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 hear, I hear you talking a lot about the body. Mm -hmm. And I know you said we separate the body from the mind, mm -hmm. but just listening to you and just knowing a little bit of your story, just by doing our little bit of research, clearly you still have that mental work that you're able to affect people with and you mm -hmm. use motivation as a, as a tool. So as somebody who also uses motivation a lot as a tool, I want to know what's your process. Like, where do you get it from? Where does it stem from? I mean, it's a deep, this, this is a good question. Okay. <laughs> I will say that it, it really is the, a deep passion that I, I want to say that I've had since a child of just wanting people, you know, to experience a life of wholeness. But I do think that a lot of it comes from my own journey. You know, I grew up in a broken home. I grew up amongst all kinds of abuse. I grew up in a space where I couldn't connect to my body. I had to dissociate in order to survive, you know, my environment. And once I got older and I started to learn more and more and more about, you know, the physical ailments in my body and how, like um, you were saying, Dana, like the, the, the thing going on in your shoulder wasn't just yes. that, that ping, that pain, that you know, whatever physically was happening, but it was tied to something else. When I started to become aware of that, it just like created this hunger, you know, for me to not only learn more for myself, but for me to include the people around me. 
And mm-hmm. so it just started to well up in me like a fire, like literally, and I'm sure you guys can relate, like a fire just burning within me. And it pushed me to just continue, learn what I need to learn so I can help other people heal through mm-hmm. this and heal myself and heal my bloodline, you know? <laughs> you have to stop the generational traumas because that's yes. usually what it is. And I think for me, where I'm constantly trying to make sure that I'm not stuck in survival mode because that's what Mm. I saw growing up. Like I saw my dad constantly working, killing himself at jobs, working late hours, Mm. um, family members doing the same thing, traveling like three hours to work every day. And stress does cause health issues. Like that's one of the leading causes to a lot of cancers, high blood Mm. pressure, Um, so for me, that was something that I didn't want. So the fact that I did start getting that pain in my neck, I'm thinking, oh, it's, it's something physical that I'm wearing or something that I'm doing Mm -hmm. when ultimately it's coming from like my mind and the stress and my environment. So I can relate to what you just said, where like, I became super focused on not wanting to, to, to depend on medication to help that as well. So I'm like, what can I do holistically to heal myself? So I think that that's a very strong thing to um, understand yourself and also be able to figure out your issues without having to constantly go to like a actual doctor. So yeah, yeah, because you know what it is, you know, through being a body worker, I mean, at this point, I've been a massage therapist since 2017, 2016, 2017, since I was about 19 years old. And I've seen so many people who live in severance from their body, you know, who literally leave their health in the hands of other people. They go to doctors and doctors tell them things and they just believe it. They don't do the work, you know, to know. Doctors a little bit because. I have, I mentioned before my family and their health issues, but a lot of it is like, it stems from the doctors not really having a plan for their mm-hmm. health. It's kind of like, take this medicine. Oh, that doesn't work. Take this one. Take a combination of these two pills. But they also have side effects. They also hurt other organs in your body. So for me, like I never wanted to get to a point where I'm dependent on mm-hmm. if something hurts, let me run to the doctor. I'm like, well, what can I figure out now? Because even now, like I have, I don't know if a lot of people know this. I think I actually said this on the podcast a couple episodes ago. I have nerve damage in my tongue from when I got mm-hmm. my wisdom teeth taken out. They hit a nerve and wow. Yeah, now I have permanent damage, but I'm like, I don't want to try to find another oral surgeon to go in and do some more um, slicing and dicing, not knowing if this is going to resolve my issue. So mm-hmm. now I'm taking um, lion's mane, which is a mushroom that helps with nerve damage and any type of cognitive issues and seeing if that helps. But I'm all about just the holistic healing and trying to find other ways besides Western medicine. Yeah, it's all in balance. It's all in in knowing yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's an embodiment practice, right? To be connected to your health because there's a time and place for doctors, there's a time and place for surgery, and there's a time and place for holistic remedies. You know, right. and, and when you get to know yourself, 
you can feel into what feels right and what doesn't for you. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think that doctors have a great place with analysis. They're able to go ahead and run tests, use technology that we don't have at home, and they can give you a diagnostic of what may be going on inside. And you can take those results like me, like probably you and other people who are holistic prone, and they can look at those results and say, okay, I'm having low kidney you know, production, or I'm dealing with X, Y, and Z with this organ, or my blood counts were low on here. Mm-hmm. And instead of taking those medications, maybe you start out with trying different herbs or different remedies herbs. that can yes. help build those, you know, organs or muscles or whatever that came up in that diagnostic up. And then you can go right. back in another six months and check, like, did this help? And maybe mm-hmm. if those methods don't help, then maybe you need some support from doctors, right? Like, Maybe you need to do a mix. Maybe you're drinking your green smoothies, but you're also taking your iron pills, right? Like right. you got to do what you got to do, but you yeah, there's a balance. blindly go into it. Yes, there's a balance. And I'm not saying we don't need doctors at all. Like that's definitely right. not what I'm saying. But I do feel like people are just not as in tune with how to heal themselves once they have a mm. diagnosis. It's like, yes. okay, I have the diagnosis. And let me also do my research of these kind of remedies that may help heal my body rather than 100%, like you said, depend mm-hmm. on the doctors. Definitely. Well, I'm going I'm to stiff the conversation a little bit because um, I was listening to all of us talking. All of us seems to stem things in our current life from our childhood, right? Like we talked about the whole Santa Claus thing and just at the beginning of the conversation. But I do think the way that uh, Loren, the way that you motivate is through the way that your upbringing was. And Dana, the way that you saw your upbringing is the way that you operate today. And me personally, like I I was a very imaginative child. Um, So like when I go to motivate people, I pull things from my imagination. I use storytelling and different things. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like your upbringing and your childhood is, obviously it's what stems your embodiment because it's what you saw. Is that also what stems your uh, passion to make other people move forward in a positive light? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that my inner child, you know, because I'm sure it's more known that term today, Mm -hmm. but like that little girl that lives still within me, you know, she is such a compass for me. And number one, how I bring about, you know, like, healing, motivation, my practices, but also who I work with, who I attract as an ideal client, right? Because there are certain things that I've gone through that through like screening and having like onboarding calls with clients who have been interested in my coaching programs, it's like they will mention something and they will have gone through something that I went through. And I just be like, this is so cool. Like, you know, I'm seeing um, a part of myself that I haven't even seen in so long, but this person is going through this right now. Mm-hmm. And we can come together on that because it's an experience that we both share. You know, so I definitely give my childhood, my inner child, and even some of that wounding that I've experienced a place in my practice. But what I will say is that you know, it can get tricky, right? Because depending on how you were raised and what you went through, it's so important to make sure that you have like digested and metabolized and worked through 
a good amount of that healing, right? A good amount of those wounds because you don't want to lead a practice from your wounds. You don't want to lead, you know, your gifts and your talents and your, your business through a place of where you were hurt. You can utilize that hurt and turn it around, but that turning around process is so important. I know mm -hmm. in the beginning of my journey as an entrepreneur, I rushed. I will go ahead and say I was still in the beginnings of my somatic experiencing training. I was still in the cusp of my life changing drastically. I, my son was only about one and a half years old when I launched my business. And I was working with a, a business coach and she was like pushing me to just get started. And I'm grateful that I did, but I made so many mistakes in the beginning because I hadn't yet digested certain aspects of my journey. You know, mm -hmm. I hadn't yet processed certain parts of my pain. And so I was not perpetuating, but just holding a light of the work that I do from a space of like, you know, I'm still going through this. Like, that's okay, but it just depends on the way that you're expressing it. Like now I'm still going through things. I'm not perfect, but I have so much more of a capacity and an embodied sense of like what I've been through to be able to be aware of what I may be going through now and know exactly how I'm going to get through it to be able to help other people do the same thing for themselves. So I thank you for that question. Definitely love that. I do want to get back into your session with people. So sure. you mentioned how in the first, what is it? Like the first few minutes you, do you talk them through whatever they want to talk about and then go from there? And then you, like, how do you know parts of their bodies are tensing up? Is it a visual thing or is it a feeling or is it just basically what they tell you verbally? So it's literally everything. <laughs> this is why this practice is so unique and hard to explain verbally um, because we use a lot of different cues um, throughout a somatic session. So every session is different. Some people come in knowing, like I've had people come in immediately and they're just like, I'm going through this. I need to get through this. I know exactly in my body where it's coming up and I want to work on it. You know, okay. and they yes. get on the table and they're able to really elaborate what they're feeling and, and what they're experiencing. But then there's some people who are just like, I just feel numb. I don't know why I feel numb. I don't know how I'm feeling numb. I, I don't even know how to feel my body at all. But all mm -hmm. I know is that I'm, I don't feel like me at all right now. And I don't want to feel like this. And so what we will focus on is like just bringing awareness to any sensation. Sometimes it just starts with, can you feel your feet? Can mm. you feel your body laying on the table? What does that feel like? And the nervous system, as it starts to feel and reconnect to the body, because you know, feeling numb or feeling separated from your body, um, your nervous system is not in awareness. It's not in conscious awareness of what is going on physically. Right. So mm -hmm. when you're helping someone reconnect to just the, the sensation of laying on the table, it opens up a plethora of other information because now it's like, oh, shoot, I have a body. It has sensation. <laughs> I can feel. But yeah. we use no. a scale. I'm sorry. Oh, to cut you off. Say, oh, not to cut you off. Um, I'm just like very into this conversation right now. 
But do you find it, and maybe you don't because you've been doing it for so long, but do you find it odd when people are so disconnected from their bodies like that, where you have to actually like, like they have to lay down in a quiet space to remember that, you know, I'm in this physical body. Like I'm not just in my head and so stressed out about everything around me. Honestly, no, because for me personally, I was once there, right? There was a time where I just felt like it's going to sound funny, but I felt like a big lump. Right. Like I had mm -hmm. so many projections about my body growing up, about how I looked. Oh, you're overweight. You know, there's just so many things that people would say to me. And then there's other traumas that I experienced with my body that I just stopped being aware of wh who I was and what it felt like to live inside of me. Right. So I used to feel like I was way bigger than I was. I don't know if you ever like go back and look at like pictures of me when I and you're just like, dang, I used to think I was so fat. And look at me. I'm like way smaller than I am now. You, look at pictures I was so and you were tiny. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I think that um it's not weird in that sense for me, but also as a black person, you know, as a person of color in this country, it is so, so common so so common to be disconnected from your body you know like the history of our body as a commodity in this country it it really does still hold weight today right nope. we, we used to literally be sold on an auction block we used to literally be you know raped and hung and right in front of our children and so there's a certain semblance of disconnecting from your body that is necessary for survival at that point. And mm -hmm. as we grow, as we change generationally, we still go through that, right? Being a black man, like you have to sever yourself from your body in many ways because there's just so much of an attack on your physical being, right? There's so much prey you know, and predatory action on our bodies as black people. And there's so much history there that sometimes the safest place for you to be is not in your body. Right. It's crazy because me and Dana have been doing this podcast for over a year now, and we've had a lot of these conversations and now it's like, it's meshing. Like we talked about mm -hmm. me as a black man in America having to like, um, tone it down or tone it up or because you're looking for a way yeah. yep. um, and then this is also a reminder that health is 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 a, a wide scope of it right you got yeah. mental health you got physical health you got internal health you got spiritual health you got financial mm -hmm. health you got so many aspects of health that i don't even think we pay attention to like when yeah. i when i tell somebody my back hurt it's like oh yeah my back hurt backs hurt but it's like why does your back hurt why does your shoulder hurt? Like I was actually talking to um, my sister. I, I check on her because she has migraines and different things like that. And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, I'm checking on you, but am I checking on you? Like, what's the root cause of this? What are you going through? Is yeah. this something we need to talk about? Is this someone we need to see? So that way we can really get to the nitty gritty of it. Uh, like mm -hmm. my shoulders hurt and me and Dana talked about it literally before the podcast started. Like maybe I need to get a new bed or maybe I need to do different things with my lifestyle. And it's like, yes. I don't think we do that enough the right way. Mm -hmm. That's why we need people like you to really help us educate us on what our body functions should be, how we can help heal. And we appreciate you for that. 
So I don't know if you get thanked enough, but you're getting thanked by us today. Yes. You, Thank you. Are you. Yeah, I'm like just so grateful. the connections between like mind, body and soul, because I do feel like it is a soul experience yes. um, just living day to day. So for me, I would say the past two years, I've really been focused on just being very in tune with my body now because I don't want to, like I said before, be in situations where I see the people around me their health is deteriorating based off their financial situations, their um, yes. working environment. And mm. I'm just trying to create a space where I feel at peace and I feel yes. comfortable so I don't have to constantly be stressed out on a day-to-day -day basis with work or whatever else I'm dealing with. So yeah. Um, yeah, this was a lot. This was very, very insightful. So thank you. A good of course. I wanted yes. to say, because what you said just there, Aaron, was like, such a powerful mouthful, but also Dana, you had had your powerful mouthful earlier, but there's these two books that just keep coming up for me that I think are incredible resources for you guys, but also for your community, your listeners. Um, the first book is My Grandmother's Hands, and it's written by a somatic experiencing practitioner and a therapist. His name is Resma Menikem. He's a black man yeah. and mm -hmm. it, the book is titled My Grandmother's Hands because it's literally using the analogy of his grandmother's hands who was a, a sharecropper and her hands were so swollen, but she would always ask him to rub them for her. And he used to ask her like, why are your hands so big? And she would say it's from picking cotton. And she didn't have any like arthritis or, or like physical health issues with her hands but she used to have pain that lived inside of her fingers that she just couldn't explain and so he uses that analogy to talk about the broad spectrum of of trauma in the lives of black people but not just from our lens from the lens of white trauma and also police trauma he taught he uses it as like this um political he uses a political lens of somatic healing so i think that that's really important it also includes somatic practices inside of the book that you can do on the go as you're reading or listening the okay. second book that i would recommend is called um rest is resistance and dana you brought this to mind for me because when you were talking about your your father and how you used to watch him work himself into the ground and you used to you know see it in your family and how you're focused on not living in survival mode rest mm -hmm. resistance is written by a black woman i cannot remember oh, tracy i can't think of her full name right now and i feel so bad about it but that book right there is such an amazing book and a good listen if you get the audio book she really talks about the importance of rest and mm -hmm. black people. She even has a whole movement called the Nat Ministry. And it talks about the power of rest and how much it restores us to the point where it is a statement of resistance to this capitalist society. So those two books, I can send them to you so you can like share them with yeah, your we'll listeners. Put them, we'll put them in the description. So thank you yes, for that. Of course. This was 
This was a great one. This was another gem that our listeners better be grateful for. No, but um, at the end of the episodes, we do like to do a happy hour moment, which is basically something that has happened or we're manifesting to happen. So we do like to just share this with our listeners at the end. And Loren, if you want to share something with us, that would be your happy hour moment. Um. I would say I'm in the manifesting tip of this question. It's kind of funny, but honestly, I'm manifesting a partner. Like, (laughs) I'm manifesting a life partner. I think that there's a lot of, you know, other things that I've been working on. I've been very career focused. I've been very focused as a mom. I've been, you know, pushing myself to become better. And it's just like, I'm ready to share my life with someone. So I'm calling that in and I hope y'all can hold that. Because it's hard out here for a single That's important. (laughs) Yeah, no, having someone to share these experiences with and someone serious who understands the capacity of life, you know, and like having someone there to do it with and not just playing games because, you know, a lot of people do that. But um, yeah, that's a great one. So... Thank we you. pray and we know someone is going to be coming for you sooner than later. So I'll see this and DM you. <laughs> what about you, Aaron? Um, this is the first time I actually didn't come prepared for a happy hour moment. And I actually appreciate that I didn't come prepared with it because it allowed me to pay a little bit more attention to um, Loren a little bit. And the entire time that we talked today, you had a smile on your face. Um, and what that tells me is you're not just doing this. This is not just something that you're trying to pay bills with. This is something that you're passionate about. And we need to start seeing more of that. And not just us, like me and Dana, we don't do this podcast for any other reason other than we are extremely passionate about these conversations. Yeah. And that is what brings joy to this world. People who will put themselves into the work that they do actual embodiment right um and i don't care if i've never even seen your practice i believe in your practice because you made me believe in that and i I love to meet people like that where you just like i literally want to sign up right now so i appreciate that um i appreciate you for taking time out of your day um i I'll be transparent with you. I was not looking forward to even talking today. In all honesty, uh-huh. it was just a lot going on. It was just a lot of just, you know, I'm not really feeling all of this. But literally two seconds into the conversation, it's like something turned. And we appreciate that. Like, this is an easy conversation. And Dana, she's usually the one that I'd be falling into these conversations. But I just appreciate you for giving us 110%. Thank you. Yes. Love that. So we don't get a happy hour moment, Aaron. That is my happy hour moment. I'm happy that. <laughs> that was it. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to get my, my pain is about to go away after I get my intake form done. <laughs> I got you. Trust me. We're gonna get it. We're gonna get that shoulder right. <laughs> yes. Okay. So my happy hour moments. I am just living in a lot of gratitude right now, going into 2024. So I am excited to see what 2024 holds for me. And Loren, I can relate to the piece where you said finding a partner because I've been so career driven since I graduated high college, since I graduated college. And over the past few years, 
it's just a lot of focus has been, all right, I need to get a new job. I need to get more money. I need to get another apartment. All of these materialistic things. But ultimately now I feel like I'm ready and I've done the work, the inner work to have another person in my life. Mm-hmm. Now it's just a matter of praying and hopefully seeing signs of who that person will be in the next few years. So that's something that I'm manifesting and I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. Yes. You are beautiful. You have a beautiful grace about you, Uh, a softness, but your softness has a clarity to it. It's like you're soft in your boundaries and you're clear Mm -hmm. about the direction of where you're going. So I think any partner would be lucky you know to date you to get to see your most inner parts and if you've Mm -hmm. done the work and you're doing the work like you said to me they're already on their way to you they're making their way i hope (laughs) because this is another conversation for another day but i do feel like when you're on a level of healing like you're on your healing Mm -hmm. journey and you know where you've been and where you're at and where you're going when you come across someone who they make it seem like they want to be in your life, they like you, but then things start to pop up where you're noticing, okay, this doesn't fit. And I'm the kind of person where I don't give a bunch of chances. Like once you show me things that I feel like doesn't align in my healing journey, it's like, okay, I'm not gonna deal with the games. I'm not gonna like go back and forth with you. Like that's it. So for me, I feel like in the past few months, that's has, that has been my issue where I notice these things and I'm, I'm just so quick to just be like, mm, no, that doesn't feel right. So it's kind of like a gift and a curse because you do have to wait longer and have more patience. But at the same time, you want to have that partner. So, you know, it's like a balancing act. Yeah. yeah one red flag is one red flag too many. Wait. So- no need to waste your time giving all these chances and i don't mind somebody circling a block or somebody returning and resurfacing if they doing the right work too but at the end of the day i got one life to live and i can't play around waiting for you to figure it out i actually wrote a poem um yesterday and it was it was all about potential and mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the ladies on the on the forefront here because I think a lot of what y'all fall for is potential. And Wait, the point of this poem. Can you share the poem with us? Like read it. Like right now, we got no, a couple I'm minutes. Gonna, I'm gonna read it. Wow. I'm gonna read it. Okay. I sent it to y'all. I sent it to y'all. We got three minutes. The the premise of this poem though is so many women will literally wait out for that man to be that man that they want him to be Mm. but is he willing to be that is he ready to be that and is he even capable of being that and that's where i think a lot of a lot of my sisters fall a little short because y'all got more faith in him than he has in himself men need to come to y'all already already ready made no more making up men acrimony situations i don't want to see y'all both of y'all are wonderful people. I can already tell Loren is a, is a dope person. Dana, I already know you're a fantastic person. So uh, these dudes need to figure it out. That's what I need to figure it out. Shit, I'll be fucking up. So I'm just like, you know. We got it. Somewhere. Accountability. I mean, hey. No. Yeah, right. You got to start somewhere. But so this you, 
Listen. If y'all want to come onto this podcast and help me become more self-aware and join this seat like Lorraine did, you can always reach us at woawpod at gmail.com. Yes. And thank you again, Lorraine, for your time and your night on, on your Friday as well. We will put all of your links in our description. So our listeners, if you want to book a session with her, or just check out her practice and her page. You can do all of that from the links below. But on that note, we are going to end the episode here. And we outside. We out. Thank you, guys.